So the time that Mpucha uh, was teaching, uh, monks were going overseas. And they call them literally uh, Dharma messengers in Thai. And taught them about the uh, heavenly messengers, the Devadutas, um, these four messengers that came down for the Buddha to see. Those uh, noble or excellent uh, messages for the Bodhisattva while he was still a prince uh, living in the palace. So he went out and he saw an old person, then an ill person and a dead person. And lastly, he saw a summoner, someone who had left the home life and was living as a contemplative. When he saw these things and he contemplated into them, a feeling of great weariness pervaded his heart, this weariness in the lay life. So he decided to go out to seek the Dhamma, to seek the path that leads out of suffering and try to find that by himself. But this depended on him seeing these uh, heavenly messengers. And it's natural for all of the Buddhas who become enlightened, while there's still bodhisattvas, the devas will display these images for them to see. And they uh, teach uh, the bodhisattvas in this way. So when Nupucha taught, uh, he would often bring up these deva dutas, these heavenly messengers, saying that they're the messengers of the Dhamma, the things that we contemplate in our hearts so that we come to accept the truth of conditioned phenomena. The things which Lumpucha would uh, teach very frequently, teaching us to contemplate the nature of all of the sense impressions that our minds meet with in order to let go of them. He would say that the reason we suffer is because we attach, and that suffering gets drawn out because of our desires. And if we're going to reduce the suffering that we have, that happens because of the letting go that we do. And so this is a a theme that Lumpucha would teach very often, and frequently taught about letting go of all sense impressions. And he would tell us uh, that no matter how important anything may be, Letting go is more important. This is something that he would teach for both the lay people and the monks, and something that we listen to and then we try to put into practice. And sometimes when people practice, uh, they do so through a sense of aversion or ill will towards themselves. Perhaps greed, hatred, and delusion arises in their minds and they're not able to suppress it in any way. And so they become averse to themselves and telling themselves that they're no good because they have all these defilements there in their minds. But Lumpucha said that it's not necessary. This is something that we shouldn't get into. We shouldn't have any ill will towards ourselves or to anyone, to any being. If we have a will towards ourselves, that's just not correct. 
we see that our minds have these thoughts, and uh, and that's natural. But we shouldn't just use harsh methods towards ourselves. We shouldn't uh, just tell ourselves off all the time. We need to know a sense of what's right, what's just enough. So sometimes we have to give ourselves praise. Sometimes we have to give ourselves admonishment. We need to get these things in balance. So this is a teaching of Lumpur Chas that uh, was very important, something that we should listen to and then contemplate and then practice in line with. But also many of Lumpur Chas teachings, they can take us a long time before we gain a real understanding of them. Or maybe we do understand them, but after a while, as we listen many times, our understanding becomes clearer. We begin to see his teachings uh, better. So sometimes our minds have a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of proliferation going on. And this may be about good things or about bad things. And we may want for our minds to only think of good things, the unskillful things we just don't want. But Lumpur Cha said that it's not correct to take things in this way. He said that we just view our thoughts as being sankharas, as being conditioned phenomena. And they arise in pairs like this. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And sometimes it's neither good nor bad. So we need to learn to let go. Just like the trees in the forest, some of them are straight, some are crooked, and there are many vines around as well. But we need to use our intelligence and see which ones are of benefit and of value. If we want to build a house, we want to build a hall, then we take the ones that are of benefit to us, and the ones that aren't of value, we just let them go. And so that's just like the sankharas, the conditioned phenomena, the proliferation present in our minds. And sometimes it arises and we don't like it. Um, but we need to, to learn how to let go of these thoughts. So this is a teaching that Lumpur Chah gave for both the, la the laity and the monastics um, to practice and let go at the same time. This is something that's very important. And also, whenever we engage in work, we have our mindfulness as we work as well. And this is how he taught. But sometimes he was also quite strict in his teachings as well. And there was an occasion where a monk saw that there were a lot of flasks that had been left around by other monks. Um, and they were just lying there. They hadn't uh, washed them or cleaned them. So this monk went to Lumpur Cha to complain and said basically that, that these monks you know, had been drinking uh, this coffee, but they hadn't cleaned up after themselves. So Lumpur Cha shot back at him, well, why doesn't the monk who, who saw it, why doesn't he go and keep them? Why doesn't he put them away? And uh, so he's saying that you know, this monk came to tell him and to uh, tell the other monks off, but he wasn't willing to clean up these flasks himself. So he said that the person who saw them should have cleaned them. So he often taught like a Zen master. And uh, 
His teachings are something that we need to to really contemplate, to consider, to reflect upon. And they're mostly involved giving rise to mindfulness and wisdom. There was uh, usually many lay people who would travel to Watnambapong to pay respects to Lumpucha. And they were very impressed, mostly, with the monastery, um, the being a forest monastery like it was. And uh, one person said that it's like uh, there's a white elephant living in the forest. Um, and a white elephant is something that's very highly respected and highly valued and very rare. And they're referring to Lumpucha when they said this. Uh, but he responded in a way that kind of didn't give rise to it wouldn't allow the lay people to attach too much to that. So he said that in the forests there are also monkeys as well. Or in this forest there's also monkeys. And the lay people, they were confused because they couldn't see any monkeys around. All they saw was the white elephant in front of them. But he told them that there were monkeys there. That it's natural for a forest to have all kinds of creatures. So this is a way that he taught with with wisdom. And uh, at times there was a novice who was very uh, disobedient and stubborn. But in response, he would just laugh about this novice. And this was another teaching that he would give to not attach. There was another occasion when he traveled overseas and there was a man who was drawing or had finished drawing a very beautiful picture of Lumpucha. And he felt really happy with the results of his work. It looked very beautiful to him, and other people came to admire this picture. And they said it was very beautiful as well, that it really looked just like Lumpucha. But when he went to offer that picture to Lumpucha, Lumpucha, in response, asked him, well, if I take a sharp object and I slash this picture, then how will you feel? He was afraid that this man would be attached to this picture that he had drawn. And then if the picture got damaged in any way, he would suffer. So we taught him to see that this picture was already damaged, to see that first before it actually became damaged. Um, to see that things are broken before they actually break. This is another teaching that he gave that gives rise to mindfulness and wisdom for us. And so for everyone here listening to these today, these are things that we should all contemplate so that we gain mindfulness and wisdom for ourselves. But in order to have these qualities of sati and banya, This requires a peaceful, still mind. And we do that through keeping our minds with the meditation objects and with the meditation words that we use. But this, in turn, depends upon the foundation of peace of both body and speech, which means sila, a practice of virtue. So even though there are many hundreds of people sitting here in this hall now, still it's very quiet, it's very peaceful. What's left is our minds, our minds which aren't quiet, which are thinking about many different things. So we use our mindfulness to pull them back, back to the breath as it comes and goes, 
and back to whatever mantra we use that we feel proficient in. And then the mind becomes still and peaceful in this way. It gathers together into samadhi. And when we listen to a Dharma talk in this state, it's possible for mindfulness and wisdom to arise. It's possible to attain to the Dharma while listening to a talk. And so sometimes when we're listening, we can see and understand the nature of conventional reality, that really these things don't actually exist, they're not actually real, that there's no being, no self, no other there. And this is another of Lumpur Chah's teachings that he gave us very regularly. He would say that the sala that we're sitting in um, on a normal day, there's just maybe 20 people who come, and so we feel like this hall is very big. But on a day like today, there's 200, 300 people, and it feels like the hall is very small. But these feelings are big and small. They're born out of our own minds. Whether it's large or little, or feeling that things are just right, um, these feelings all come from our minds which proliferate. And uh, this is how he taught us, uh, to see that these proliferations and the things we proliferate about are anicca, dukkha, anatta, are inconstant, and stressful, not self. And this is how we should try to contemplate things. Um, that this hall here, it's just a natural phenomenon. Um, some earth elements and water elements have come together. Uh, but when this breaks apart, it will no longer be a meditation hall. It's just that our minds give importance to it in this way. It tells us that it's, it's big or that it's small. So Lumpucha would teach us in similes like this so that we could understand and then, having understood, we could let go. We let go of all of the emotions, all of the feelings that arise in our minds. So sometimes he would teach in a Zen-like manner. But also his disciples differed in their characters. So the means and the ways that he would teach his disciples also differed as well. There was one of his disciples who really liked to think a lot. His mind would always be giving rise to different narratives. So when they passed one day, um, Lumpucha used his finger to draw figures in the air. And this monk understood the teaching straight away. He was saying, don't build castles in the sky. And so he used these different methods to teach his disciples so that they could understand the Dhamma. But really, all of his teachings, they came down to, they boiled down to this practice of giving rise to mindfulness, of developing goodness, and of abandoning a sense of self so that we can learn to let go.